What is up, Houda Nation? Welcome back into another edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast presented by Boo Crew Media, Makers Mark, and of course, DraftKings Sportsbook. The main question on everyone's mind, or at least it should be on your mind if you're a Saints fan, should New Orleans sign C.J. Gardner-Johnson to a contract extension before the start of the regular season? We'll talk about all that coming up on this edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast. You're listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast. Once again, welcome inside the Straight Up Saints podcast presented by Boot Crew Media. The New Orleans Saints have a little bit of a contract situation to work out over the course of training camp. Nick Underhill of New Orleans.Football reported earlier this Wednesday that C.J. Gardner-Johnson has not participated in competitive portions of practice since Saturday because he's entering the final year of his contract and is seeking a new deal, hence why he's limiting his participation. Now, Nick did add that they have discussed a deal, but again, there's some work that needs to be done, and it's unclear where the two sides are at at this current moment. Now, that gets us to the question of, should the Saints sign C.J. Gardner-Johnson to a contract extension? And if they do sign him to a contract extension, how much is that going to cost? Is it worth it? All of that. I'm going to make myself very clear and kind of just jump right to it. I know that sometimes in my podcast, I like to dance around things before I get to it, but I'm going right into this. The New Orleans Saints should extend C.J. Gardner-Johnson. I think that people can have debates as to where you want to rank him among, among the upper echelon of slot cornerbacks, which he is easily in the top five. I would argue he's in the top three with Mike Hilton and Kenny Moore. Regardless, there's no doubt he's at the top of his position. He's one of the three best. He's not just, though, a top player at his position. There's other intangibles and qualities that come with extending C.J. Garner-Johnson that factor into it when I'm talking about this. I'm not going to worry about making a decision. It's not on my plate, whatever. But if I were someone making a decision like this, I wouldn't just value what he brings as a football player. I think there's a lot more that comes to the table, which why I think it makes it even more of a no-brainer if the two sides can work out the money differential as to where he's at, what he wants, and, and so forth. So, Let's get into that factor, and then we'll talk numbers and look around the league what the the top slot corners are making. C.J. Garner-Johnson is the type of player that he is not just going to play a good brand of football that is going to help your team uh, win games. He's the type of player that his energy, his playing style, that type of um, infectious energy, positive energy, the rest of the team feeds off that. And if you don't believe me, just remember, that the Saints last year were a much better team with C.J. Garner-Johnson on the football field than without him. Now, I know people will bring up the stat that in 2021 overall, Saints were 9-8, and eight, but they were 9-3 and three when C.J. Garner-Johnson played, and it's tough to always put wins and losses as an individual thing, which is why I get into the whole wins-loss is not a QB stat. So let's put that to the side. The more telling statistic, when C.J. Garner-Johnson played in 12 games, the Saints' defense gave up 15.6 points per game. When he did not play, the five games that he missed, 29.4. I'm going to repeat that. 15.6 points per game, that's all they allowed when C.J. Garner-Johnson was in the lineup in 2021. When he was out of the lineup, they gave up 29.4 points per game. That is such a big difference that you can't sit there and tell me that he doesn't have a big impact because he does have a big impact. 
because there's so many qualities that go into it. A, you're getting a really good slot corner. That's the big equation. That's the biggest part of bringing it to the table. But B, you're getting a guy that if the chips are down and maybe someone's not bringing up their A game, you can bet your ass that C.J. Garner-Johnson is going to play a high-level energy brand of football that everyone else has to match because if they're not going to match it, he's going to let you know, and that's a leadership quality that comes with them as well. And number three, we talk about it all the time, and sometimes maybe we talk about it too much that it overshadows other qualities. Him being able to get in the opponent's head and shut them down and get them to play at a C level, a D level, that is a, that is a skill. That is a skill. We're talking about a guy that got in Javon Wims's head so much, he dropped a wide-open touchdown in a playoff game. We're talking about a guy that was able to bait Tom Brady into an interception on Sunday Night Football. We're talking about a player who just every single week, you know he's going to be at the center of it, but he knows when to pull back from that argument because he's strategic about it. That's a skill for me. And that's not even the important stuff. What I'm focused on is him being a great slot cornerback and him also being really good in terms of his energy. People feed off that. That's important. I love that for him. So just from those three reasons alone, I think that if you're the Saints, you are extending C.J. Garner-Johnson. One more time, really great slot corner. You know that his energy is something that people are going to feed off of, make them elevate their game, match that 100% effort that he's going to do. And number three, it does not hurt that he knows how to get in the opponent's head. All those reasons, I'm extending C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Now, what would it cost the Saints to extend C.J. Gardner-Johnson? Well, that part is a little bit of a known variable and also an unknown variable at the same time. What we do know is that the top corners in the league are making around $9 million. Top top slot corners, excuse me. Kenny Moore from Indianapolis, he's got a four-year, $33.3 million contract. So that is an average of 8.325, almost at that 9 million number if he hits incentives. You have Mike Hilton, however, who is considered one of the top five slot corners. He's four-year 24. Now, Mike Hilton's entering his second year of his contract. If he balls out again, he might want to re-up. Kenny Moore is on the second to last year of his contract. He may want to re-up. For me, the one thing I hate that teams do is when they know they have to extend someone, but they know other teams have to extend a player at that same position, and they say, okay, let me see what they pay him, and then we'll kind of go off that. Don't let other teams set the market. I can't stress that enough. If you're the Saints, if you really feel like, hey, I'm going to stick to price, and if Garner Johnson's way over that price, we just can't meet, I'll respect that. But what I won't really love is if it's a situation where the Saints are saying, let's see what happens, and let other teams set the market. We've seen teams lose that battle. The Cowboys lost that battle with Dak Prescott. The Ravens are losing that battle every single day that Lamar Jackson doesn't get a contract because then guys like Kyler Murray on the same level, if not, maybe Lamar's even better, he gets $46 million. How much do you think it costs your quarterback now? So if Mike Hilton re-ups, if Kenny Moore, who is, again, one more year after this season on his contract, you know he's going to re-up, and Kenny Moore is a damn playmaker, you don't think he's going to get close to $9 million, $10 million a year? So guess what? Then the price changed. The price of the brick goes up. So the Saints have to equate that and, and really put that into their thought process when they're going through this. So if you can lock in a deal with C.J. Garner-Johnson, three years, $27 million, I'm doing that. And I know people might say that's a lot for a slot corner. I, I really don't care 
because I think CJ Garner Johnson is the type of player that if you do lose him, you are going to notice an impact and you're going to sit there and you're going to look at it and be like, man, he was a lot more valuable than we thought because everyone loves to freaking make jokes about Draymond Green, right? If you take Draymond Green off the Warriors, it's a different story. And I'm not trying to get into basketball. I'm just talking about the idea of there's certain guys that you can't, the stats don't always tell the stories. There's more to it than just the numbers. And numbers are great. And speaking of numbers, if we're just going off them, CJ Garner Johnson in just 12 games had his most interceptions this past season, in just 12 games. So the numbers are going to help him too. There's no doubt about that. So I am all for extending CJ Garner Johnson. I know that some people are going to be worried. Does it cost too much? Is he worth it? They just drafted Alante Taylor. They got Bradley Roby. They can work it out. And I'm not saying they can't work it out, right? Because for the Saints right now, the strength of this team is DB. And that just it's it just feels great to say. And the Saints can play Bradley Roby. They could try Alante Taylor at the slot. They could bring PJ Williams in the slot. We know he's done that before and, and pretty well. But none of them are CJ Garner Johnson in the slot. And you have to you know take into account that he's still just 24 years old. This is the type of contract. I think it's I just think if you could do a three-year $27 million deal or four-year $36 million deal. I think it's a no-brainer. I think it's a no-brainer. You make him the highest-paid slot corner for now. You know people will go past that, right? Kenny Moore will go up. Uh, maybe Mike Hilton will go up. But you know what? Let that happen. Let you dictate what the market's going to be. And then when they re-up, fine. You can revisit Garner Johnson's contract in two, three years from now. But I think from now, the no-brainer, get that deal done. Four-year 36, three-year 27, it's all the same to me. I, I think that would be the move here. But I'm curious to know what you guys obviously think. So if you are listening to this podcast, um, audio format, hit me up on Twitter. I'm curious what you think. If you're listening on the video uh, for YouTube on Bucre Media's page, write in the comment section below, and I'll get back to you about that. Now, this is not the only thing I wanted to talk about on this podcast. I did want to discuss the latest drama involving rookie offensive tackle Trevor Penning. For the third time, I believe this week, or at least third time in training camp, Trevor Penning's been involved in a fight. He got involved in a fight with Peyton Turner, I didn't really think that one was his fault. I think that was more so Peyton Turner uh, in terms of when you watch it. And I don't think it's anyone's fault in the sense like, oh, how dare you do this? Things just got chippy. Who kind of seemed to be the chippier one of the two? Seemed to be Peyton Turner. The second time around, it was JT Gray and Trevor Penning. Trevor Penning was playing through the whistle. JT Gray didn't really like that. Did a little shove. Trevor Penning went to go up to him and kind of assert his dominance. Probably Trevor Penning a little bit out of line. And then it comes out on Wednesday that Malcolm Roach, and Trevor Penning get into it. And this scuffle escalated to the point where the Saints threw them out of practice. And everyone on Twitter, well, not everyone, but a good portion of Twitter, was freaking out, talking about, hey, like, is this a problem now? Do we have to talk about this? Or is Trevor Penning just a problem child that won't be fixed? Or is he super annoying? Those theories are going to get thrown out. And at the end of the day, in five years from now, we could look at them and they might end up becoming true. But all I have to say about this situation is the Saints knew the type of player and the aggressive nature that Trevor Penning brought to the table when they drafted him out of Northern Iowa. It wasn't a surprise. The Saints knew what they were getting when they took him. It wasn't like they drafted Trevor Penning and they're like, holy, what the hell? This guy is a little bit too intense. They knew it. And that's why when the Saints drafted him, and I'll pull up the quote, Dennis Allen talked about that aggressive nature. And here is what Dennis Allen had to say about Trevor Penning. He said, if a puppy doesn't bite when he's young, he's not going to bite when he grows up and becomes a dog. 
I'd rather pull the reins back than have to kick him in the ass to get him going. I like that about him. Now, does that mean that Trevor Penning can just act like, you know, the big bully on the block every single practice and start fights? No, because A, your teammates are going to think you're a dick. And B, teams don't want to deal with that. They, they're trying to practice and get better technique-wise, planning-wise, preparation. They don't got time for you to get in a scuffle every single practice. So in that regard, it is annoying. And I'll agree with people on that. But what I will say before people freak out about is Trevor Penning just going to be this dude that's constantly in practice fights and, and being annoying? This is the first time the Saints have reprimanded him for this, and he got disciplined for his actions. He had a scuffle in practice again, and the Saints said, you're not practicing the rest of the day. You're out. How do you respond to that? That's important. And he'll have the chance to show the Saints the rest of this week, next week, and, and so on and so forth, how he responds to that. And that's going to be interesting. So now me personally, I'm looking to see how is Trevor Penning the next couple of practices? Is he able to be aggressive, but knowing, hey, whistle sounds, I got to stop? Then that's a good sign. And then furthermore, when you get to the preseason games, now he's not going up against his teammates. He's going up against the opposition. How does he play against them? Does he dial up the aggression? Is that too much? What happens there? So I want to wait and see how this all goes before I turn and say that Trevor Penning is just pissing everyone off before I get into that. Again, he has an aggressive style. The Saints like that he's aggressive, but you got to know your limits. And I think that is something that he's going to have to learn because the NFL is very simple in this regard. Either you figure out and adjust to the game or the game goes on without you. So for Trevor Penning, this is his first kind of learning curve, the first bump in the road. Let's see how he handles it. And we'll go from there. That's all I'll say about this because I, I, I think that we're making a little bit too big of a deal out of it. If it continues, like if he gets thrown out of practice on Thursday, all right, let's talk about it. This guy's just blowing through the stop signs. But for now, let's just hold our breath. Now, I want to end this podcast on a great note. And by great note, I mean a fun note and a positive note. So I'm going to end it by talking about Michael freaking Thomas. On Wednesday, Michael Thomas got working at practice. He was participating in the seven-on-seven periods. And from every account, from every reporter that you respect and love in the Saints media beat, Nick Underhill, John Hendricks, Cat uh, Terrell, uh, Mike Triplett, all the greats talked about how good Michael Thomas looked in that seven-on-seven -seven period. And again, there's still a couple more hurdles to go in terms of, all right, 11-on-11s, and, and how do you look on week one? Sure. But we've reached that point, man, where like, if you're still down in Michael Thomas and you still got your reservations about that ankle and you still think that he's not going to be able to be even close to what he was, I don't know, man. I don't know. He's just that dude in the sense that everything is personal and everything just motivates this guy that would not be surprised that if this season comes along, Michael Thomas looks like the Michael Thomas of old. And if that is what happens, that's only going to elevate the Saints' ceiling, elevate their passing game, and elevate this offense, and boy, we know that they do need that. So I'm thrilled to hear that Michael Thomas is doing well in seven-on-sevens, and I hope this is just a start of him putting together a string of those great days. Now, that's going to do it for this edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast, but as always, guys, I do appreciate you for listening. Enjoy the rest of this week. There's going to be more updates from training camp. I'll keep you guys all posted on the latest. I'll have some more videos to post over the next couple of days regarding the New Orleans Saints, but until next time, guys, make sure to subscribe to Buku Media's YouTube page. Make sure to follow them on Twitter. Follow myself on Twitter as well. And get ready because it's going to be a really fun season and we'll have it for you here on the Straight Up Saints podcast, the destination for 
Who You're listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast.